We're going to continue today in our series on the book of Acts. It's been a couple of weeks due to Mother's Day and then special services that we had uh, last week since we have been in the book of Acts. Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 14 and going to be reading the first seven verses of Acts 14, but I'm going to cover and take my sermon points from much of the chapter today, and uh, hopefully that doesn't mean that I preach any longer than normal, starting a little bit later because of the graduation stuff, but try to finish and be out of here in a timely manner. Acts chapter 14, verse number 1. It says this, Now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia and to the surrounding country, and there they continued to preach the gospel. I'm going to preach to you for just a little while on this subject, or this title, The Impact of the Supernatural. The Impact of the Supernatural. Give a high five to three or four people and you may be seated today. As, as I was preparing for this message and, and thinking about the supernatural, I actually, I, I got into a bunch of philosophical meanderings on the internet and decided that wasn't the best way to go. I, I looked up laws of nature and natural law and scientific law and decided after looking at all of that, that wasn't the best way to start this message because there's a lot of philosophical underpinnings and things behind that and so I decided to do it this way. Let's just talk at first about that which is normally observed in nature. And by that, I mean things like this, that when something is on fire, typically what happens is that which is on fire will be consumed. You light wood on fire, it does not last forever, but it will burn up and it will turn to ashes. So whether it's wood or coal or any number of things, when you light them on fire, the normal and natural pattern is this, is that that which is on fire will be consumed. Another normal, natural thing that you would see is this, is that solid metal objects do not float. You can make great aircraft carriers of metal, and they will float, but it's because of their shape, and it's because they're not solid, that there is air inside of them that enables them to float. The way that they're configured enables them to float, but you take all of that metal and you just dump it into the ocean, it will sink. Normally, that's the way things happen. 
And normally you would not expect in nature to be walking through the forest and come upon an animal and it start talking to you. Now that takes place in uh, fairy tales and that takes place in things like Narnia and the Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe and various other things that you may be familiar with with talking animals. But normally and naturally those things do not occur in nature. And so what that means is when you see something that doesn't normally occur in nature, it's not the normal process that means then ultimately it is supernatural. So the supernatural occurs when an outside force, specifically God, intervenes. So we see this in the scripture when Moses is in the wilderness and he's watching the sheep of Jethro, his father-in-law, he sees a bush that is not being consumed. And he understands immediately that's not normal. He understands immediately this is not the natural order. And so he says, I must turn aside to see this sight. Because something special is happening when a bush is on fire, but it's not burning up. It's not being consumed. Or the prophet who is there with friends as they're building the school of the prophets and the axe head flies off of the borrowed axe and doesn't land on the shore, it doesn't land on the ground, it doesn't land anywhere that you could get it, it lands in the water. And as you know, axe heads don't float. It's not the normal, natural thing for an axe head to float And so they beseech the prophet and say, what are we going to do? We borrowed this. And he takes a stick and he throws it into the water. And sticks float. It's the normal, natural thing. They will float on the water. And just like the stick, the axe head floats to the top of the water. It is supernatural because God intervenes. God has stepped in to nature and has made something supernatural. Or this week reading about the prophet Balaam who is seeking to gain wealth and riches and is breaking God's command to him as he's on his way to the enemy's camp to prophesy something good to them. When God has prophesied something bad, his donkey stops. This donkey stops because he sees an angel of the Lord with a drawn sword that is ultimately letting him know you come any further, somebody's dying here. The donkey can see it, Balaam doesn't see it. The donkey stops and Balaam beats his donkey because his donkey's not doing what he wants him to do and he goes around another way. And the Bible says he comes into a tight place and the angel of the Lord is standing there with the drawn sword The donkey can see the angel, Balaam can't see the angel, and so because it's a tight place, the donkey is trying to get around, and he he smashes Balaam's foot against the wall. Balaam gets mad, he beats his donkey, and then something really strange happens. The donkey looks back and is like, what are you beating me for? Why are you hitting me? Have I ever done you wrong? And Balaam's eyes are open and he sees the angel of the Lord. Now, one of the craziest things about this whole story is not that God would allow the donkey to talk. Not that the angel of the Lord would 
would stand in the gap and keep them from going and, and prophesying to the enemy. The craziest thing I, I find in this passage is that Balaam's donkey talks to him and Balaam just has a conversation. He doesn't seem bothered at all that the donkey's talking. But it is supernatural because donkeys don't talk. Only in the cartoons and only in fiction books. Unless God intervenes. And the Bible is no book of fiction, which means we know it happens, but it is supernatural. And so what I would tell you is this. God is in the business of doing the supernatural. God who has set everything in place and everything in motion. He likes to step in. And He often steps in to our context. And He does the supernatural. He does that which is not normal in nature. He does that which is not normal in our experience. And the supernatural is extensive throughout the Scripture. And I would tell you that the supernatural should be extensively present among God's people. Now to be clear and to be well understood... We have some areas of the supernatural very often. You've already experienced the supernatural here today. And by that I mean this, that when we were praising and worshiping God, you could feel God's presence. It's not a natural thing, it's not what you just feel any time, but it is God's supernatural presence that He allows us to experience and to feel and to encounter. Anybody feel His presence today? That's a supernatural occurrence. And so we have that often. And if you have ever received the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidence speaking in other tongues, that is a supernatural occurrence. And it shouldn't just be a one-time event as we've talked about, but it should be an ongoing and an oft-occurring occurrence. So when you speak in a language that you do not know, that is a supernatural occurrence. And we experience that, some of us, daily. But what I would tell you is that those expressions of the supernatural should be the normal and natural practice for those who are following Jesus Christ. But what we do not see are the more unusual examples of God breaking in to our circumstances and God breaking into our surroundings and manifesting Himself in healing, and manifesting Himself in provision, and manifesting Himself in our lives. And what I would tell you is that should be much more common than it is. Anybody want to see the supernatural in their lives? Anybody want to see when you pray that God actually works, and when you ask for God to heal, He actually heals? Anybody want to see that, or is it just me? context of our passage today is, is this, chapter 10, we, we looked at Cornelius and the gospel coming first to the Gentiles, and I preached the value of one person. 
chapter 11, we saw the gospel spreading to Antioch. I preached about the life-changing power of the gospel. In chapter 12, we looked at Peter's miraculous release from prison. A supernatural event, and I preached about the power of a praying church. In chapter 13, we saw the call of Saul and Barnabas to go to the Gentiles, and I preach this, when God calls your name. But today, in chapter 14, to look at continuing saga of the apostles, and the impact of the supernatural. And from this passage, I want to pull four truths about the supernatural. The first thing is this, is that the supernatural enhances our proclamation. It enhances our proclamation. I chose the word proclamation, if I could say it this way, because if I use the word preaching, which was originally in my notes, then I didn't want you to think that preaching or being on a stage and, and being speaking to an audience like this is the only time that God enhances His Word. So I chose the word proclamation to more readily fit, to fit the context of Acts 14 and also to apply to everyone. Because all of us are called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of us are called to tell others about Jesus. And so whether you're on a stage or, or whether you're in a coffee shop, everywhere you speak the gospel of Jesus Christ, God will show up and He will enhance your proclamation. In verse 1 of our text, it says this, it's that they spoke in a way that people believed. They didn't just speak any old way, but they spoke in a way or in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. And I would just tell you that there is something about speaking the Word of God. That you can have all kinds of, of language and oratory, and, and I'll look at that in just a moment. But the Word of God has its own power. In fact, the Word of God would tell us in Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is quick and powerful, or quick and living, or living and powerful, and it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That the Word of God has power that accompanies it. And so when we speak His Word, His Spirit is automatically present with His Word. His Spirit is not accompanying some commentary. and His Spirit is not accompanying some novel, but His Spirit accompanies His Word. And so when we speak His Word, the supernatural enhances that proclamation. But oftentimes people think that they have to have the right words and say it just so. And Paul, who is the primary subject of this chapter, the primary preacher of the gospel in this chapter, who would write of himself in Philippians that he was a 
Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was trained at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the highest ranking rabbis that there was. That he was a Jew of the Jews. I mean, he was the apex of that. And while he was all of that and then some, what he would say in 1 Corinthians 2.4, he said, And my speech and my preaching were not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I didn't come with enticing or persuasive words. I didn't come with a great argument, but I came in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And what I would tell you is that when you proclaim His Word, what needs to happen is there needs to be a demonstration of the Spirit and of power of God that accompanies your preaching, that accompanies your witnessing, that accompanies you talking to people. Anybody feel that right there? That's the enhancing of our proclamation. It is the Spirit of God. I didn't graduate kindergarten, but I got an MDiv. I know more than the average Joe and have a higher education than the average Joe, especially in theological circles. But none of that matters if God is not in it. That none of that matters if I just have a good argument and a good oratory. But there's something that happens when God accompanies His Word and God accompanies the proclamation of His Word. I want my preaching, I want my witnessing to be in the demonstration in the spirit and power of God. The supernatural enhances our proclamation. Not enticing words of man's wisdom, but the demonstration of the spirit. Verse 3 says that they spoke boldly. They remained a long time speaking boldly for the Lord. This boldness is part of what the Spirit of God will do in our lives. If I could say it this way, I have a microphone, so I guess I can. The number one hindrance that people have to sharing the gospel is fear. And people would say the opposite of fear is faith. And when you have faith that you're doing what God has called you to do, and when you have faith in the message that you're proclaiming, you can speak the Word of God with boldness. You can proclaim it with boldness. Acts chapter 4, the apostles had been beaten, had been chastised, for preaching in the name of Jesus. So after that, they went into a prayer meeting in Acts 4.31, says this, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. That they're praying, and the presence of God comes in in the whole building. It feels like there's an earthquake going on because God's presence shows up. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. What will enable us to speak with boldness is to be filled with the Spirit. What will enable us to overcome fear and to speak with boldness 
is the Spirit. The supernatural enhances our proclamation. And I would tell you if it's just up to me to to come up with something good to say to every person and try to convince them of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't do that, but when God accompanies it, the Spirit enhances it, great things can happen. Secondly, the supernatural empowers our actions. Verse 3 of our text says, as they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace. How did he bear witness? He granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. It was supernatural moves of his spirit. It was supernatural signs and wonders and miracles. Now I would just say this, the, the word... We use that word all the time. It's a biblical word. It says signs. A sign is simply this. It is God proving himself and proving what has been said is true. There's miracles and there's wonders, but signs are those things that accompany God's word and proves them to be true. And so as they're speaking boldly, God's spirit shows up and accompanies their preaching, and he grants that miracles, signs, and wonders could be done by their hands. Later on in the chapter, it says this, that in Lystra a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a crippled from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet, and he leaped and walked. The supernatural empowers our actions. You don't see people leap up and walk who, are, who have been crippled and who have never walked. Unless God is with you, and unless God is accompanying and empowering your actions. Well, this just crossed my mind, and maybe if I thought about it longer, I wouldn't say it, but I'll go ahead and say it. You know, there's a, when children are learning to walk, there is a certain level of, that process is because they don't, initially they don't have enough strength to walk, and they don't have balance to walk, and they don't have all of the necessary things, but there comes a time when they have the balance and they have the strength, they just have to get up and figure it out. But what we see over and over in the Scripture is God doesn't just heal these people physically. This guy had never walked. He'd never balanced himself. He just immediately leaps up and begins to walk and praise God. No learning, no figuring it out, no, no like, man, do I really have enough? No, just going from zero to 100, boom, all the way. God just does it in an instant. He's a God who does great things, and aren't you glad that he is a God who still does miracles, signs, and wonders today? Would you give me my hand clap of praise today?
Let me hurry. The supernatural also enables our deliverance. They were later in the chapter delivered miraculously. We see this pattern and this process over and over in the book of Acts and even in the Gospels in Acts 12, which I referenced, Peter miraculously delivered out of prison. Acts 16, which we'll get to, that, that Paul and Silas miraculously delivered out of prison. In the Gospels, Jesus, the Bible says that they've backed him up against a cliff and they've got rocks in their hands and the Bible says he just passed through their midst. There's a lot of speculation on how Jesus did that. Did they just go blind and they couldn't see him? Or, they just, or did he go invisible? He become invisible man and just walk through them. The Bible doesn't say, but this one thing is clear, is that God always brings about deliverance. He is the God who delivers, not just though from captivity and, and not just from danger, but He is the God who brings about spiritual deliverance as well. He brings about deliverance from addictions and He brings about deliverance from sin. That God can in a moment take away Somebody's addiction to nicotine or alcohol or drugs. Oftentimes that deliverance comes when people are saved, when they give their life to Him and they surrender along with that salvation which is supernatural. As God delivers us from sin and from the bondage of sin, He delivers people from the bondage of addictions. He is a God who delivers. The supernatural enhances or enables our deliverance. Fourthly, the supernatural elicits a response. I'm going to try to hurry and say, go ahead and come to the music. That'll make me go faster. We see in this text, and I won't read all of the, the various verses, we see in chapter 14 a number of Ways in which people respond to the supernatural. The first is this, is that some receive the supernatural and they receive the message. A great many people believed their words because God granted that signs and wonders would be done through them. So people believed and they received the message. But there are others who not only rejected the message, but they rejected the supernatural. Going, it doesn't matter if God is showing us that he's, what, what's being said is true, we still will reject it. And at least three instances of rejecting the truth and the Spirit are in this chapter. And I would tell you that there are a lot of people that reject supernatural and let me be clear here not just any supernatural but specifically when the God of the universe moves in I'm not talking about the paranormal I'm not talking about Satan and whatever he does I'm talking about what God does
Some reacted with misplaced worship. They saw the miracles and they said, man, that's awesome. That's really cool. We like that. And specifically in the chapter, they decided that Paul and Barnabas should be worshipped as gods. And so Barnabas, they named after Zeus, one of their gods, and said that this is the coming of Zeus in person. And Paul, they named Hermes, the son of Zeus. Paul did most of the talking, so he couldn't be the biggest god. He had to be the son. But they named them after false gods and gathered together to offer sacrifice in their honor. When Paul and Barnabas heard about this, of course, they stopped it all. And the Bible says it was all they could do to stop them. They saw the supernatural, but they took their own understanding and they placed it on that process. They said, this is just, oh, this is what we expected from the gods out there to do, so it's no big deal. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't help us believe His Word. It just, it's really cool, so let's just celebrate anything. And I would tell you right now, we live in a culture that will celebrate anything spiritual and anything supernatural, even if it has nothing to do with God. But when God shows up with the supernatural, He's doing that to bring people to Himself. He's not trying to show off. Look at the universe. He's already shown off. (laughs) He already spoke the worlds into existence. He's not showing off to you, but He is proving Himself to you. why the psalmist would say what is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou visitest him crowned him a little lower than the with glory and made him a little lower than the angels when the psalmist looked at the universe and he looked at God's creation he's like what is man so God being my provider that's not him showing off that's him just proving himself that's him saying see I made all of this and I can take care of you as well I created the moon and the sun and the stars. I just spoke them into existence. Because I did that, your problem is nothing for me. He is the God who does the supernatural. What I would tell you is this, though, with this misplaced worship, sometimes people worship the miracles. They build shrines or altars to what God has done and they don't focus on the God who has done the work. They talk about the miracle instead of the miracle worker. Sometimes people even worship the ones through whom God works. But they elevate people God uses and They don't focus on the God who has used them and the God who has worked and the God who has provided the power to do the miracle. They focus on the people or they focus on the result. But every time God does a miracle, it's to focus us on Him. It's to prove that He is who He said He is. 
It is to prove that He can do what He said He can do. It's to draw us into relationship with Him and to draw us closer to Him. It's the reason He does the supernatural. As you stand and I get ready to close, the supernatural enhances our proclamation. It empowers our actions and enables our deliverance. And it elicits a response. Most of you in this room, you have believed the message of salvation and many of you have obeyed the gospel. I don't want to hurry past this, but the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And believing that He did it is not salvation. Obeying what He did results in salvation. We obey the gospel and put it into practice by repentance, by turning from our sin and turning to Him, turning from our way to His way. We do it by following Him in the waters of baptism, symbolic of His burial. He washes away our sins and we receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost symbolic of that newness of life that resurrected life so if you haven't done that today, today can be your day He wants it to be your day so if you haven't obeyed the gospel, there's no greater time to do it than right now besides the the call to salvation there is a choice that all of us must make today specifically related to the topic of the message one option is that we can reject the supernatural I talk to people every week they reject it. Most of them would never say that they reject the supernatural. But they don't expect it. Oh, it doesn't happen today. You're sick. We don't really believe God will heal. We'll, We'll pray that the doctors do a good job. We'll pray they give you the right medicine they'll take care of you real good he's God he'll, he can work on the doctor's minds and he can help their hands but he doesn't just reach in and take out cancer he doesn't just bring healing I talk to people like that every week the second option is this is to accept it I, I believe he does it I believe it's for today I believe it happens And that that option's good. But the better option is not just to believe that He does it, not just to accept it, but the better option is to participate in the supernatural. That means that you don't just go, yeah, He heals, but I'm going to pray that He'll heal. And I'm going to expect Him to heal when I pray. 
I'm going to believe that He delivers and I'm going to expect Him to deliver and I'm going to pray until He delivers. To participate in supernatural. I got a passage I'll read it in just a minute, but anybody want to participate in the supernatural? It's not just something that takes place on this side of the platform or this side of the pulpit. It's not just for the few. It's not just for the occasional person that God uses all the time. The the supernatural is for every believer. Jesus said this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Before I read the rest of it, some of you are familiar with it. How many of you believe today? If if you believe, just raise your hand. Don't, Don't be bashful. Every hand should be up right now. I believe the gospel. I believe what Jesus has done. And and for most of you, you not only believe, but you've been baptized. You've been filled with His Spirit. So this is for you. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. If you believe that passage is for you, would you just talk to the Lord for just a moment? Would you just lift your hands and talk to the Lord and say, Jesus, I want you to use me in the supernatural. I want to participate with you. Come on, would you call out to Him right now? God, we want to see Your Spirit at work in our lives. Not just on a Sunday morning or a Thursday night, not just for one or two people, but every believer having signs that are following them. Casting out demons, seeing the sick made whole, and seeing the lame walk and the blind see. Seeing the infirm strengthen. God, we want to see it. It is what you have called us to. It is what you have desired for us to do. It's to work through us. God, to use us for your glory. To use us in your kingdom. To use us to do signs and wonders and miracles so that others would believe the gospel. God, we want that. We claim that today. We give you praise for it today, Jesus. We give you praise for it today, Jesus. We love you. We magnify you. We magnify you. Just a couple of things about this passage. You can still sing quietly. But understand this, that the context of this verse and this passage, it's not us just doing our own thing any old way. The context is this. It is the context of making disciples. That maybe the reason we don't see signs and miracles and wonders 
could be because we just want to ignore God's mission. And we want Him to do the supernatural anyway. But the signs that are following the believers are for those believers who are preaching the gospel to every creature. I'll tell you this. You can find people that don't get their miracle in the New Testament. Every single case of that. And there's only a few. Every case of people who are asking for a miracle and do not get it. They're all believers. Why is that important? There are never any people who are unbelievers. God doesn't do the miracle. Why? Because they don't believe. And so he says, here's the miracle. Here's your healing. Here's your deliverance. Come to me. I'm proving myself to you. So we can't always expect just to show up with a group of believers and God just always does the miraculous. But if an unbeliever's here and they need something, they have any faith at all, I can almost guarantee you God will show up and He will show Himself strong and powerful. It's in the context of mission. It's in the context of making disciples. It's in the context of God proving Himself to them so that they will believe. And last thing I will say is we can't expect the supernatural if we ignore God's mission or we are rejecting His truth or we live like the world. We can't expect that He's just going to show up and, and do the miraculous when we aren't doing things His way. So my call to you today is this. The call of His Word and His Spirit today is this. Get on mission for Him. Believe His truth and live in His way and God will do the supernatural through you. Anybody believe that? Anybody want to see that? If you want to see that, would you just make your way to the front as a sign of faith? Come on, everybody should be coming right now to the front saying, God, I want to see the supernatural in my life. I want to see miracles, signs, and wonders. I want to see you at work, Jesus.